And we're in the book of Acts, and we all know Acts is victory. No matter all about have it, we can have victory no matter what we're facing in our life, whether it's a needle in the eye or whether whatever we're going through. We all have lots of, lots of challenges, don't we? But we can have victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can have that victory. And so we're in Acts 16, 6 to 15. If you want to, if you grab the Bible on the way in, it's page 923. Otherwise, you can find it on your own or we'll have the words up here on the screen. You'll be able to, to follow along here. But the title for today is When God Closes One Door, He Opens Another. When God closes one door, He opens another. This will be very interesting. Have you ever hit a closed door? <laughs> Have you ever hit that impossible obstacle, really hit a wall in your life? <clears throat> you might have a flat nose right now, right, uh, <clears throat> from hitting that. What do we usually try to do? We try to get in. We try to force our way through that by any means possible. And uh, a couple years back, I told a story, but it fits so perfect. Uh, when um, my dad, uh, when he was in high school, he was in a ag class, agriculture class. And uh, he lived on a farm. They would take agriculture to help them prepare to even be better farmers. And he said one time the ag teacher said, okay, now tomorrow I'm going to teach you how to use dynamite. I'm going to teach you how to use dynamite. This was right after World War II. There was lots of spare dynamite all over the place. I know it's a different time in a different world, right? So he says, so does anybody on their farm have something I could use dynamite on? You need something removed, like a big rock or something. And my dad, ooh, my dad, you know, you know there was, we still have a couple of fields. At least one field was massive rock. We were never going to move it. We've got some pretty big rocks up, but this, there's one. But he said there was an even a bigger one in the one field. And he said to the ag teacher, he said, we have this giant rock. If you could get rid of this rock, my dad would be really happy. He'd be really thankful. So the teacher said, okay, tomorrow we're all going to meet at the Wilson Farm, Deer Lick Acres. Uh, that's the name of it. Uh, and so they all met there. And they get there, and the teacher's going through the steps on how to use the dynamite. This is a class, right? Yeah, you're going to use the dynamite. All right? And, and, and he's, so he's showing them where to put the dynamite around the rock and all this stuff and how to prepare to set it off. And, and then he goes around the other side, and he's telling the class um, other stuff, showing where the wires go, all the, all the stuff, right? This guy was a, I think he was a World War II veteran, if I remember right. And so while he went around the other side of the rock, my dad and his buddy said, I don't think he put enough dynamite into that hole. Let's add a little bit. And the, he left the box <laughs> You know, they're, so they're, they start grabbing more dynamite and throwing it into the hole. And, and so they come around and he goes, okay, now let's everybody move back. If we move back this far, it should be fine. So he moved back that far, you know, pulling the wire back. You know, you've all seen the war movies. He gets back there. And, and meanwhile, my dad is, and his friend are running and running. For, and he said they just kept running because they knew what was going to happen. And they dove into the creek. There's still the creek there. They dove into the creek and they hid down. And, and he said he pushed it it was like an earthquake you know you've been watching what's happening in the ukraine it was like that it was like he said the ground shook and these rocks are flying all different sized rocks are flying and there's little rocks flying into the creek they were ducking down and and they get out and they come back and the teacher's just like standing there covered with dust you know in shock he goes i don't understand what happened and i don't understand what happened yeah and, uh, so that is not a good idea don't do that at home that is not a good idea, but it's also not a good idea to try to blast your way through God's closed door. 
If God puts up an obstacle, it's very important that we don't try to blast our way through God's obstacles. He has a reason for closing doors in our life, and we just need to not try to push open his door, but we have to look to try to look for his open doors, as we're going to see here in Acts 16. Some really, really important spiritual lesson for us here in Acts 16. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for everybody who is here or, or watching or listening or, or following this, Lord. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us on what, we're try, what you're trying to teach us and also that we learn to look for your leading. We pray this, and especially if anybody's never put their faith in Jesus, that they would respond to that leading, putting their faith in Jesus Christ today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, let's pick it up here. I will read, read the, pa- the passage. Acts 16, verses 6 through 15. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen that vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia. Sound familiar? Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So... First, we see God's closed door. Let's look at God's closed door, verses 6 to 8. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. This is God's closed door. Why would God close a door? Why would God stop them? Doesn't he want everyone to hear the gospel? Doesn't that sound strange? Why would God do that? It wasn't God's time yet, as we will see a little bit later. Hang on to your hat. So hang on to that thought. All right, we're going to come back to that whole concept there. But neither Paul nor the Asians, I'm going to use the word Asian because it's the province of Asia here. The Asians were ready yet. Not modern-day Asians, obviously, but the province of Asia. Neither Paul nor the, the, the Asians were ready yet, but someone else was ready and now we see god's open door god's open door in verses 9 and 10 
During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So we see uh, uh, verse 11. Did I? Oh, no, that's right. That's it. Okay. So we see uh, the open door here. The, the, the God says no to the province of Asia, but he says the Macedonians were ready. They're ready. And look what happened when Paul followed the Holy Spirit's leading. Look what happened when he went to that open door. Look at the difference here in verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. where We expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Wow. The Macedonians were ready. And look what happened when he followed this. God opened the door for ministry for them. And he opened their hearts. He opened their hearts. And they opened their homes, right? And when God closes one door, remember this. When God closes one door, he has in mind to open another. He opens another. That's how God works. Asia was not ready. The province of Asia was not ready yet. Wasn't ready yet. But the Macedonians and Lydia were ready. And from this, we see a very important teaching on uh, a concept on witnessing, on sharing our faith. A very important one. Look for open doors and open hearts. Look for open doors and open hearts. Right, Chuck? You're on the street. Someone don't want to talk. You don't say you don't follow them down the street trying to you know, give them a wristband. No, you look for open hearts, open doors. Very, very important. If someone's heart is not ready if someone's heart is not ready the worst thing that you can do is try to force it that is the worst thing you will do more damage than good if someone is not ready i learned this on the farm with grubs with grubs you say what are you talking about there's a fly on the farm called the bot fly it's got a red head anybody farmers know what i'm talking about the bot fly and the bot fly lands on the cow they'll do it to humans too but they don't bother with humans because there's so many cows but they land on humans and they 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 lay a little worm like creature on the cow and they'll do it to you, too, if you're not careful. But they, they lay, out, lay out in the cow, and that little worm right away digs down into the cow's skin and burrows down into the, under the skin, un, through the hide, down in the skin, and they start to feed on the cow there, and they start to grow. From a little worm, they grow into a grub. From a teeny little, tiny little microscopic worm, they grow into a grub about this big, a grub. And we call them the grubs. 
and, and they would, you would see this bump forming on the cow's back. So those who are farmers know what I'm talking about. You see that, that bump forming on the cow's back? You knew there was a grub there. And the idea is once they were ready, they would start to push their way out. And, and all of a sudden you see a little opening, and then you see a little grub nose. And then uh, and when it got wide enough, they would force their way out and pop out and go down into the gutter, and they would go into a bot fly, and they would repeat that process. They would repeat it all over again. All right? That's what they would do. And we hated grubs. We knew what they were, and we hated them. And so we would, what we would do is we would try to wait till they're just ready to come out, and then we would put our fingers underneath, and we'd pop them out like a big zit. You know, we'd pop them out, and they would poop. They would really shoot in the air, come out, and there'd be blood and all this pus, and then we'd stomp on them, pop them. They would like this big popping sound. Love the sound of popping grubs. And because uh, <laughs> I hated them. You knew they were going to go do a bot fly. We hated the bot flies, right? And they'd pop out. But, you know, we had to wait because if you didn't wait until they were the opening was there till they were ready to come out. If you didn't wait, guess what would happen? If you did it too early, you would smush the grub inside the cow. And then we would just be impatient. We would want to get it out. And I remember we'd smush it inside, and then there was an infection. And then we had to treat the cow. And then you had to, like, kind of cut it open, put some, you know, medicine in there, and, and you, got, you created an issue. And, and, I, and we learned. We learned you have to wait till the grub is ready to pop. And the same thing spiritually. There's a spiritually. You've got to wait till that door is open. If you do it too early, you'll do more harm than good. Wait. It's very important to wait when we're witnessing wait and pray and look for the opening and it's got to be a big opening wait for the opening wait until that that opening is there wait for their open hearts to be there before you try to share the gospel and and i tell people all the time i i say it's like fishing bait the hook you cast the hook right chuck you're constantly casting the hook you can't you put some bait on you cast it no they don't bite Reel it in, try another one. You know, I talk to people, I'm constantly like, you know, they have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to find something that they'll bite on. And if they give me, uh, they bite on that hook, I start reeling, you know, and, 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 and see if we can share the gospel. The whole goal is to try to share the gospel. And I'm not manipulating. I just want to share the great news of Jesus Christ. I want them to have what we have. But, but if they don't bite, I don't keep, I don't try to, you know, I just, I, I realize the door is closed. God hasn't softened their heart, hasn't opened their heart. That's not the person to share the gospel with today. But I'm constantly looking, constantly, you know, you know, con- constantly, you know, trying a new bait and trying a new hook and a, trying a new lure and, 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 and just hoping that they'll bite because I want to share Jesus Christ with them. And that's what we have to constantly look to see where the Holy Spirit is working. But if he's not working, we should wait. But a closed door, you're wanting to witness to someone, a closed door does not mean that it's permanently closed. This is very important. It just might, not, it just might mean that it's not God's timing yet. Thank you. Yet. It's not his timing yet. Paul was blocked from the province of Asia, but then later on, I remember as I was studying Acts years ago, I was always kind of wondered about that. And I was reading, studying Acts, and in Acts 19 verses 21 to 22, I came across this. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After and 
After I had been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastasus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. Now we find he is in Asia. What happened? God has opened the door now. You know, all these years later and chapters later, and we're going to get to that later on, he is now in Asia. Why is he in Asia now? Because now it's God's timing. God's timing. And why? Why would God say they weren't ready? Shouldn't people, wouldn't you always want to share the gospel, right? You know, always preach the gospel. Well, you know, why? And once again, I, 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 we get a hint of this. I was uh, memorizing years ago. I was memorizing Second Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, and meditating on it. Nothing like memorizing and meditating on it. And as I was doing it, also the Holy Spirit connected the dots for me. And it was like crazy. Because look, now listen to this. In Second Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. It was intense. He's talking about his ministry in Asia. And he's saying it was so intense, he thought they were as good as dead. They had given up on surviving it. It was that wicked. It was that intense. The spiritual warfare was horrible, horrible. It was a really tough place to minister, a place of intense spiritual warfare. Does it sound like any place we might know? Right? Uh, and, and Paul... And his team in Acts 16, they were not ready yet. God had to grow them. And not only were they not ready yet, the target audience, the people that they were wanted to go reach in the province of Asia, they were not ready yet. They needed to be prepared. God had to soften them up spiritually. Had to prepare them, Right? And you see, God knows when we are ready and when our target audience is ready. And that's when he opens the door. And he finally did open the door in the province of Asia. And Paul probably wished he hadn't, right? It was brutal ministry. Brutal. But God knows when we are ready. And a closed door might just mean that God is going to prepare us. Doesn't mean it's closed forever, but it might be God is preparing us. He's prepping us. And God's timing is always perfect. God is always on time. He's just not on our time. I thought many times have I said that to all of us. God is always on time. He's just not on our time. Let me hear you all say that. God is always on on time he's just not on our time right remember that that's very important very important uh will we trust him or will we get mad will we try to force our way through that barrier will we try to dynamite (laughs) the obstacle that god has put in our path right Uh, some let's say you want to get married you want to marry somebody and god closes the door to that person that you want to marry god blocks that will you become bitter 
or you will, will you wait for God's better choice for your life? Uh, don't, don't, and that's just one example. You can apply that to anything in your life. Don't ignore when God tries to shut the, when God does shut the door. Don't ignore, I call it God's oil light. And I know I've told this story, but it's just so perfect. I tell it. Yeah, God's oil light. Don't ignore God's oil light. Do we still have oil lights on cars? I don't even know. Yeah, the light. Yeah, so, I know there's all these lights and everything, but but I remember when I when my first car was a Super Vito V Volkswagen, but I, it was a Super Vito, so it's beyond just a Volkswagen. And uh, you know my my yellow my yellow Super Vito, and and I remember I remember in my driver's ed class, the driver's ed teacher said if the oil light ever comes on, stop, shut it off immediately, and then you might be able to save the engine. And I remember him saying that. And so sure enough, one day my oil light went off. My oil light went off. And, and, and I was at a, on a, up on a top of a hill coming down the road, and it went off. And so I'm like, i got to get home. i got to get home. I didn't shut it off. I said, I'm going to speed up and get home. I'm only seven miles from my house. Seven miles. And I got this hill to get me going. And I remember I just hit the gas, and I went zooming down that hill. And I got to the bottom, and we still can't figure out which, which bridge it was. You know, we were trying to figure out which bridge it was. But I come zooming down this hill over the canal, uh, the, the canal. And, and I get to the canal, and I'm flying down there. And I come to a one-lane one, one bridge, and I come zooming up under that bridge, and there's a car already on. But I, there's no way I can stop. There's no way I can stop. And so I just remembered moving over as far as my little Volkswagen could. And thankfully, the other car was small also. And, and I just remember the person like, <gasps> but, but they moved over and I moved over. We squeezed by each other. It was a miracle. Somehow we got by each other. And if we had normal-sized cars, it would have been terrible. I wouldn't be up here preaching. But anyway, uh, I zoomed over that bridge and I kept going. I got down. There's a stop sign. Flew through that because there's never any cars in there area i flew through that and i get through that and i'm zooming and all of a sudden i probably made about a half a mile now and all of a sudden the engine starts seizing up and stopped and so i shut off the key right away i listened to my driver's dead teacher right and there was a house right there and i remember walking up to the house i'm like oh no and i walked up and i knocked on the door and there's a nice guy there nice old guy and he's i was like hey my i I think I ran out of oil. My car just stopped. <laughs> you know, I didn't tell him what I tried. I go, what do you think I should do? And he says, well, let, let me get some oil because this is what we'll do. We'll put some oil in and we'll try starting it. If it starts, you could drive home. And if not, we'll get it towed to the junkyard. I said, okay, okay. And so I, I, and he put the oil in. He goes, give it a try. And I started it up. It started. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, uh, and I drove home. And I'm like, I got away with that. This was a driver that teacher didn't know anything, you know. And I drove home. And, and a couple of days later, I was driving. I was not far from the house. And all of a sudden, I heard this whoosh sound. And I looked back, and there was this, this river of oil on the road behind my car, you know. Was, I did some damage to the engine, right? And so I'm like, oh, no. So I Stopped it right away and shut it off. And uh, and uh, I got to get this car home, right? I got to get it home. And I was only about 
quarter of a mile from the house. So uh, I called my two friends, Lenny and, uh, well, I called Eric with his car, and then I called my friend Lenny, who lived right down the road. And Eric and Lenny come, and, uh, and uh, Eric's a really good driver, and Lenny, not so much. And, uh, and so, I, so I said, okay, now, Eric, I put a chain on Eric's bumper to my bumper, and I said, now, start towing me home. We put it in neutral and all that. And so we start going home, and I said, now, when, when we get close to the house, though, I'll jump out, and I'll say, one, two, three, stop. And you both ease on the brakes, ease on the brakes when we get into the driveway. So we get back to the house, and we're driving, and Eric's going nice and slow, and we're coasting. And I jumped out, and I'm running along. I said, okay, guys, get ready. One, two, three, stop. And Eric eased on his brakes, and Lenny, who's driving my Volkswagen, jammed on the brakes. And it was, like, horrible. My, my bumper went, boom, like an arrowhead. It was terrible. I was like, what are you doing, Lenny? You know, get out of my car, you know. So then I'm like, what am I going to do? So I, I took the car to this guy who worked on it. His name was Bud. And uh, Bud was working on it. He always fixed my car, and, and uh, he felt bad for me. And so Bud, uh, he's one of the few guys that could work on Volkswagens at that time. And he's like, he goes, okay, I can fix the engine. I can get it going. And he told me what to do. And he said, you know, it's not good to drive without oil. And uh, so he got it working. And then he, he says, well, I go, what about my bumper? He goes, well, Listen, the car's not worth that much anymore. It's probably not worth buying a bumper. I'll tell you what you should do. This is what I would do because this is what you can do. Find a nice soft wood tree and drive into it. And you can fix the bumper, you know. And, and he goes, if you do it carefully, you can fix that bumper. And I said, okay. And we had a box alder tree right out by the by the creek there. So I said, I went driving up to the box alder tree and I hit it, bump, you know. And there's no airbags and back, I don't even know if we had airbags in any car back then, but definitely with a Volkswagen, there was no engine. It was like an emptiness, you know, there was nothing there, right? And so, so it, nothing happened. I got out and looked, nothing happened. So I start driving a little faster, boom, you know, I looked out, nothing. I go, I'm going to have to really drive a lot faster to fix this bumper. So I remember I really revved it up and went at it and hit it hard, you know, and I still remember the pain. And I got out and I looked, and now it was an arrow. It was like arrow, and then it was inverted arrow. I was like, it was a mess. I'm like, I can't. I, I'm going to live with this. And I did. This car was a wreck. Why was it a big wreck? Because I drove through the oil light. All because of that. I drove through the oil light. And so often, that's what we do. We ignore God's oil light, and we end up with a wreck on our hands, right? Nobody here, but you probably know someone like that, right? We end up with this mess on our hands, this wreck on our hands. We, we have to learn to pay attention. Why is God's oil light coming on? Why is the door closing? Well, we learn to look for God's leading in open and closed doors. Will we look for that leading that God's trying to do something when he closes the door and opens another one? Look what happened with our church when COVID hit. We've been in the school for almost pretty much for 20 years. It was wonderful there. And then because of COVID, we couldn't meet in the school anymore. The door was closed, and we didn't know when, if we'd ever be able to go back in. What are we going to do? We were meeting outside at the farm, you know, the, the, the fest and the Gervasio's house. We were meeting outside. It was great. But then it started getting cold, right? What are we going to do, you know? And uh, <clears throat> someone from St. Martin's approached me. A friend of mine from St. Martin's here approached me and said, Hey, you know, why don't you meet in our school? We have a school here. We're not using the, the downstairs. Why don't you use it? It was r- really nice of him. 
And uh, and I was like, oh, that's great. He goes, I, I talked to Father Fred already. It's okay. And I went and talked to Father Fred myself. And he's like, yeah, use it. It was so nice of him. Really, really nice. Such a blessing. But we moved in here. And it was not the same as the school, right? We had a little trouble getting used to it until we got the padded chairs. Oh, we got a little trouble getting used to it. But But all of a sudden we realized this was an open door. We could leave our stuff set up. And not only that, we could start recording the services and putting it out there uh, on YouTube and, and uh, Podbean and, and our website and, and, all, and Facebook. We could start putting it out on all these different sites and people could start to access it. And, and as a result, and then thank God Rob came along with his expertise. And, and all of a sudden we had this whole new open door, an online impact. You talk about open door. So many people have started watching and people have started coming to the church and people are getting saved because of it. And you talk about an open door. It's unbelievable. We have way more ministry now than we ever had before because God closed one door and he opened another door. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing to see how God works. We have to pay attention. It's not what do we want, what, are, what makes us comfortable, but what is God's closed and open door that is one of the key ways that god leads think about how god leads what are what are what are the ways that god leads us when we're trying to figure out god's will what are some ways several things come to mind how do we figure out what god wants we go to what okay prayer prayer is a big one really big we pray the word that's the biggest <laughs> oh yes the biggest is god's word all these people have i got a word i go well does it go against the word yeah so that's that's the biggest thing the word and then we prayer is really big then the holy spirit's leading the spirit testifies with our spirit the spirit does lead us when we're praying we we, we the spirit gives us a leading all right also what else a couple more other Christians, godly advice, really big. If you think God's speaking to you, I always tell everybody. Somebody says, "Why? Well, I, I think God's telling me to do something. You'll bounce it off of uh, some other godly people and see what they say. That's the next step. All right, godly advice. And then finally, open and closed doors. That's how we can tell what God wants. Open and closed doors. Maybe you're facing a closed door right now. Maybe it's in ministry in some way. Maybe it's a college. Maybe it's someone you want to date or marry. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a XYZ. Fill in the blank. It could be anything. You're facing a closed door. How we respond <clears throat> is the key. How we respond is the key. Do we get mad or do we trust God? Do we get mad or do we trust God? Do we wait and look for God's open door or do we try to force it open? Do we try to go forward anyway, right? Do we do that? Once again on the farm, I remember uh, one of my jobs was uh, uh, tractor work. One was spreading manure, right? It's a good preparation for preaching, but spreading the manure. And uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. But So spreading manure. So uh, we would fill up the manure spreader, and my dad would say, go spread the manure. And in the wintertime, we'd go out, and there was snow everywhere, right? And so we'd go out into the field, and you could tell where the manure was spread and where it wasn't spread because 
there's snow here, and then there's these brown, you know, pathways, you know, and you could tell very easily where there was no manure. So I always looked for a place where there was no manure spread already because I wanted to hit the whole field. And I would go to these spots, and I remember I'd go to those spots, especially where there's no manure at all, and I would try to spread it, and I would get stuck. Thank you. I would get stuck. And I'd go up to the, I'd walk up to the barn. I say, Dad, can you come pull me out? And he goes, Why? You got stuck? Oh yeah. And he come down. He goes, Why are you trying to spread manure here? I go, Because there's no manure there. He goes, Why do you think there's no manure there? That's a wet spot. Nobody's gonna drive in a wet spot to spread manure. Stay out of there. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I'd be disking. I remember this one field. <clears throat> I was disking. Yeah. It's when you go where it's plowed and you just have this thing with all these little sharp discs <laughs> and uh and and i remember you'd go through and you'd really knock down the plowed ground so it's ready to be planted and i remember this one field that was my favorite field we call it the field of the bees that's where we had our bees the honeybees and uh and i remember i was disking that field and there was this one area that wasn't disked and i was like i gotta disk that because so i'm disking i kept coming around and i would disk it i got stuck I go up, the, up to, the, to the barn. I say, I had to walk a half a mile up to the barn. And I said, Dad, I'm stuck. He goes, don't just that area. It's too wet. And I go, well, okay. So he gets me out, pulls me out with his tractor. And then I came around again, and I didn't go so far in this time. I went only partway in because I really wanted to disc. This is my favorite feel. I want to disc it all. I remember I was like 12, you know. And I remember I got stuck again. I walked back up. And Dad, I'm stuck again. He goes, don't go over there. It's what I go. I'll try to stay out of there. I'll try. And I, I remember I got stuck like five times that day because I was just trying to get the whole field, you know. But I should have stayed out of it, right? And 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 uh, I was really trying to get out of disking. But anyway, uh, but but I, I just wanted to hit that whole field. And so many times we do that. We we're supposed to stay out of somewhere where God doesn't want us somewhere, and and we just try to skirt the edges, you know. And we end up stuck. And and it, it's we 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 have to wait until God dries that ground. We have to wait till we can go there. And and we we it's very important that we don't try to go past God's closed doors and we should ask god we should we need to learn to ask god god why is this door closed why is this door closed is is the lesson for me that i'm supposed to persevere because sometimes we're supposed to persevere right closed doors don't always mean we're supposed to bail out sometimes we're called to persevere through something right am i supposed to persevere um or are you telling me something else are you telling me something? How are you preparing me? Right? How are you preparing the way? How are you preparing the way? Uh, what, are you, what are you trying to do through this closed door? Because sometimes the closed door isn't, isn't, he's just trying to teach us something and, 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 and bring about something even better. But that closed door has a purpose. And only through a lot of prayer and staying close to God can we figure that out. I think of my eyes. Uh, a year ago, a year ago, I had my right eye done, right? 
And and as soon as it was done, I had problems right away, right? The, my brain rejected this type of lens they put in. It was a nightmare. Uh, my retina swelled, blah, blah, blah. You know, I had two uh, two different stigmatisms going. I was like, I was like you remember, I, I was like being on a, uh, a merry-go-round for the first hour of every day because I, I couldn't. Uh, my eyes were battling each other. It was crazy. And, but but then, then finally that eye stabilized enough that I could get the other eye done. And I said, I don't want the same lens. I want a basic lens this time. Put it in a basic lens. And uh, that, wa- that worked out great. But as soon as that one went in, this other one reverted and went crazy again. And I couldn't see again. I'm in the same, you know, back to ground zero, right? It was crazy crazy and i kept waiting and waiting and finally i they sent me to a specialist i said to this, uh, the specialist can you get this out of my eye and you know replace it and he said well i can but all i can put in is a bigger lens because they already done all the you know laser work and stuff it's going to have to be something you can just read with so you're going to have to be able to read with one eye and see distance with the other eye i said i can do it i can do it i can do anything uh and 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 but that's exactly what i wanted anyway right it's exactly what i really i realized that's what i really wanted anyway but didn't know if i was able but that year of being on the merry-go-round showed me that i could adjust to anything and now today i can function without glasses and, uh, and now I know I can do it, and now I can see great. But I had, to, I had to go through that. God was preparing. God was preparing me. Because, you know, if you had said to me a year ago, I want to put a distance one and a reading one, and I would have said, no, no way. I could never adjust to that. That's what I would have said. I would have said I could never, don't even think it. But after what I went through, I'm like, I can do it. And God prepared me for now being able to function Without, and that's, that's just one example. That's, that's how God works in our life. He's preparing us. What is God trying to tell each one of us with closed and open doors? What is he trying to tell you specifically? Maybe you're here t- and you're listening to this and you're not a Christian yet. You're not a Christian yet. And maybe God is blocking your life. He's blocking you and blocking you in your life and keeping you from joy and peace and happiness and all shallow without Christ, blocking you to bring you to your knees and bring you to the cross. That's how God works. God, God blocks us and makes us hit our head against the wall to bring us to our knees and to the cross until we finally surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Is our heart, is maybe you've hit that place and God is trying to get you to open your heart. Open your heart. Revelation 3 verse 20. Now this is for believers, but you can apply it to evangelistically also. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me will we open that door to our heart and let jesus christ come in put our faith in him how do we do that john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
That's how we open the door to our heart. That's how we put our faith in Jesus. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. He gave, he gave his life on that cross. He shed his blood on the cross. He died on that cross for us. He resurrected from the dead to give us a brand new life. But whoever believes in him, John three sixteen, whoever believes in him, have you ever believed in Jesus? The word in the Greek for belief does not believe mean in the head. It means to believe in your heart. It means to put your faith in, your trust in, to cling to, to totally depend on. Have you ever taken that step of faith? What is God trying to tell us through open and closed doors? And the key is to wait on God in prayer, following the Holy Spirit, staying close to Jesus Christ. That's what communion is all about. We're going to celebrate communion now. That's what it's all about. That's what it's a reminder all about. Communion is talking about staying in close communion, staying in close relationship, staying close, following God's lead, following his lead. And what it is, the, 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 the bread represents the body of Jesus and the, the, the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. And we remember what Jesus did for us. When we take this, we're remembering what he did, what he did for us. We're remembering how we put our faith in him and how we take it. We just, uh, we just peel back the, 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 the cup there uh, and you, you take the bread and then you drink the juice. Uh, we just take it. There's two reasons why you shouldn't take it. The first reason is if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You aren't ready for that yet. It's okay. There's no pressure. We don't videotape. We don't take attendance. None of that. It's totally between you and God. It's okay to wait till you're ready. But I hope you do put your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. You can do that. The second reason is that there's something in our life we won't surrender. We've hit the wall. God, you know, God is saying no on something in our life, and we're like, God, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to blow this up. You know? And then God says, uh-uh, don't take communion in an unworthy way. If there's sin in our life and we, we, want it, we aren't listening to God, very important that we don't take communion. But I hope that today you just say, God, I surrender. I want to be close to you. I want to be in communion with you. I want to take that. Anybody can. I hope you do, but it's okay if you're not ready yet. It's okay. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus, but today... You're ready. Your heart is open. The Holy Spirit is opening your heart. You're ready to take that step of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You're ready to pray the simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. For my sin, in my place, I repent of that sin. I don't want it anymore. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm giving my life to Jesus. Forgive me, I'm giving my life to Jesus.
you have prayed that prayer of faith, if you have opened your heart to Jesus, you have a brand new life. Just as Jesus resurrected from the dead, you have a brand new life in Jesus. Your life will never be the same. You now have communion with God anytime, anywhere. And as you take communion today, that's just a reminder that you can come to God anytime as your Father. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here or you have someone you know or you could tell at work or somebody you know is a Christian. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, stick it in the box. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you For those of us who are already Christians, as we go to this time of communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, staying close to Jesus? Learning to discern open and closed doors. Surrendering to how God is trying to prepare us. Or prepare the way for us. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us every day, every step of the way. Pray it in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. Have a wonderful day ahead and have a great week as well. You're dismissed.